The following podcast may contain spoilers, profanity, and views or opinions that may not be representative of the author's intent of the articles discussed. We don't always take ourselves or the subject matter seriously either. Listener discretion is advised. The following is a Galactic Netcast production. For more, go to GNCasts.com. The Force is strong with us, and we hope it is strong with you. Welcome to another edition of the New Jedi Archives with Zach Hagenbusher and Ben Schultz. Zach. And hello, Ben. How are you this fine day? I am sweaty because it's summer and it's hot. And I don't know if you can hear in the background, but we have fans going. So we apologize for the latent noise. I might try to fix it. I might not. We'll see. It's because I'm fat and I'm also a large man. I am. I'm well insulated. I live in Wisconsin. It's not supposed to get this goddamn hot. Right. Of course, then it gets too, too goddamn cold yeah. as well. I, that's why I love fall. Fall is my perfect season for temperature. April 21st is the perfect day. I imagine that on Naboo, it's always 65 degrees. <laughs> it's just the perfect place to live. It's, it's the perfect temperature. There's no sand. Yep. It's filled with racists. Right. It's wonderful. Wonderful place to live, apparently. No, I'm kidding. Make Naboo great again. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, My name is Chief Palpatine, and I'm from the planet of Naboo. We're going to build a wall. We're going to make the Gungans pay for it. <laughs> oh, no. Let's let's quit while we're ahead. Welcome. Uh, I'm Zach. He's Ben. And we're going to talk about Star Wars. We've been talking about Star Wars for 49 episodes now. This is our 49th episode. Time flies when you're having fun. Now, granted, there was a gap of time in between there, which we do apologize well, for. Well, no, it still was 49 episodes, though. It's true. And we've actually recorded two more beyond that that will never see the light of day. <laughs> Were they really bad, Zach? No, I, I just don't like them myself and that so and that was part of the reason why we went on a hiatus so we're and, just we're just not going to touch those ever and again to give you an idea of how much we love you the fans zach doesn't like the episode doesn't think they're worthy of you but we literally almost died making those episodes that's true and i only released one of them so i hope ben doesn't hate me for that no uh, but we are here, and we are on GNCasts.com. We are on Spreaker.com, the original home of this podcast. And we are on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts. So with that, Ben, let's continue our conversation from two weeks ago. All right, what were we talking about two weeks ago? We had just completed... The first section of our conversation on The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi as a unit. Okay. What works, what doesn't work, and we had talked a lot about The Last Jedi and what didn't work. That's Um, because that's a lot of that conversation. Unfortunately, it is, and I've come around to that point of view as well. I think that what The Last Jedi really doesn't get right are the little things. The big things... I feel like most of it is pretty good. You know, that like the, the larger plot points and the progression of Kylo Ren and Rey specifically are handled very well. The little things like the chase through space and the excursion to Canto Bite are not handled as well. And that is where the ultimate failing of the movie comes in. I still, I, I didn't get your um, official stance on this, last episode so i want to now before we get too deep do you still think the last jedi is the worst star wars movie you've ever seen because you have said that it was your least favorite even lower than phantom menace oh that is a good question it might be above phantom menace but I really not, like Darth Maul. But not above Attack of the Clones? No, no, not above wow. Attack of the Clones yet. Wow! I, there are some things, as I've said before, that I really like about that. I love the fight scene between Rey, Kylo, and the Lobster Guards. So for you, it's Attack of the... It's Phantom Menace, Last Jedi by a hair, Attack of the Clones. Well, in, in order from the bottom. I would say Phantom Menace, Last Jedi, Attack of the Clones by a Hair. 
Where do the Ewok movies fit in? Uh, they're non-canon. Great. So Excellent. that's a Legends That's a Legends thing. thing. And we won't get into that because we talked a lot about Legends last week. I do want to get into more discussion on the characters created by these films, right? We have talked a lot about Han, Leia, and Luke, and their decisions in these films, their decisions in the past films, and how those legacy characters have all come together. But to be honest, we really haven't spent a ton of time with the new characters that we have gotten to know in these films. So I first want to start with Rey. Okay. Uh, what's your overall opinion of Ray? Do you feel like they have done a good job crafting this character? Well, I, I'm going to begin my response by saying I reserve the right to change my mind after the next movie comes out. Of course. Um, but I think Ray ultimately they did a decent job with. I'm really curious to find out uh, what happens next. Because there's a lot of plot points with Ray that are still up in the air. Some more so for me than for you. Um, because there's some things that you think have been decided that I think are not. Like what? Um, like Ray's parentage. Oh, I I am in agreement with you that that has not been decided because Daisy Ridley has gone on record in recent days, as of this recording, uh, stating that, in fact, by the end of Rise of the Skywalker, the next chapter, Ray's parentage will be definitively answered. See, I don't trust her because she said uh, that there were enough clues in Force Awakens to tell us who Ray's parents were. And maybe there were. Well, I don't know. She lied. Well, once we find out the answer, we'll and find out. Anyway, um, there's been a lot of criticism of Ray uh, from friends of ours. I actually don't mind the character of Ray. Um... And in a lot of ways, I like the character of Rey because as much as she's not an everyman, she also is. Rey is using the Force in the way that we all try to use the Force. And I like that about her, the fact that she's she's not a trained Force user. Um, and she does... She exemplifies Yoda's training. You know, there there is do or do not. There is no try. Okay. Um, you know, uh, people have criticized her for being too powerful in the Force and being a Mary Sue. Al, if you're listening, I'm talking to you. They criticize everything. It's crazy because they criticize everything about her. It's like, we're, we're just supposed to assume that she doesn't know how to do anything, and we need to see her learn how to do everything. Well, And, and the, I disagree with that. The thing is, like, uh, the, the Jedi mind trick, and I've actually said that's... That's something that, you know, is, is one of the more difficult powers that should be to learn. You've got to calm your mind, connect to somebody else, yada, yada, yada. Ezra can't do it. Well, but here's the thing. Kanan can do it, but Ezra can't, and it takes Ezra a long time to figure it out. But here's the thing. I try to do it. I mean, I can't. I've never pulled it off. But that doesn't stop me from trying to Jedi mind trick people in my real life. And the Force doesn't exist in our world. So you can't do it. But... Ray would know about it if, and my theory is anything that I try to do with the Force, Ray can try to do, and I can't be mad at her for trying because she exists in a world where, where the Force, force is does real. exist exactly. So if she reaches out and pulls a lightsaber to her, fine. I try and do that with the remote every day. You know, if she tries to Jedi mind trick somebody, I try to do that at least once a week. So that doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me at all. She tries to lift rocks? Right. That's what the Force is for. It's lifting rocks. Well, hang on, Ben. That's not what it's for. They actually specifically say that in the film. Luke asks her what the Force is for, and she says it's a power Jedis have that they use to lift rocks. Okay, that's what she perceives it right. as. But, but that's but what But that's I'm not saying. what it's actually for. Well, I, no, I thought I that's don't. what you were saying. That's what it's actually for. No, okay, but, I see what you mean. Right, so... Of course she's going to use it to lift rocks. And of course when she doesn't understand the limits of the power, just like when Luke was lifting the X-Wing, doesn't matter what you're trying to lift according to the Force, the rock and the X-Wing are the same. Yoda taught us that. So I'm fine with her uses of the Force. I don't see them as these huge problems. I really just don't. I think her attachment to some of the people around her, like Finn and Han Solo in particular, 
is really natural. Uh, is really because Finn comes from. She doesn't actually know it, but they are very similar personalities because Finn comes from. He also doesn't know who his real parents were, right? I mean, he is also an orphan, for better, for for lack of a better term. I mean, his parents could still be alive out there somewhere. Uh, and Lando, I'm and for, you. for the record, her parents also could be alive out there somewhere, which we'll we'll get into in a second. But I think that their bond and the the, the way that they attach so quickly to each other is very natural and believable. I think that uh, Han Solo, coming from the dirt, also an orphan by his own choice, running away from home, uh, coming from the dirt, coming from uh, a- an existence that was not easy. He identifies with her. He can see that in her. And he can see this, the the ways that she's trying to make a better life for herself and the way she's trying to break out. And she's just trying to find out where she fits in the world. And who among us isn't? Exactly. So I really think she's a good vehicle for the audience to experience Star Wars in a way that we actually don't get to in other movies because we're not all farm boys from a desert planet we're not all alderanian princesses and as much as we would all love to be han solo we can't all be han solo it's true so i uh the other criticism i see of ray is that uh, she fights really well with a lightsaber in that fight scene but having rewatched that fight scene recently she's not that good no she's really not and she's not that good when she's fighting kylo ren either no in fact, she only really wins that fight when Kylo lets his guard down. When, so, he, when he attempts to get her to come with him. You know, you need a teacher. So I don't see where anybody thinks she's this miracle character. Where she... And yeah, okay, Luke says she's as powerful as Kylo is in the Force. And yeah, she does some amazing things, but... She's the main character in a Star Wars movie. Now, it's interesting that you bring up that she could be as powerful as Kylo in the Force. That Luke has only felt that level of power from one other person. Because when we were watching these films, there were some things that entered into our conversation that I I don't think I'd ever thought of before. And I don't know if you had ever thought of them either. Rey knows what the island looks like. Yeah. Because she has been dreaming about it. She said she's seen the island in dreams, the ocean, the island. Kylo Ren, when he is searching her mind for the map to Luke Skywalker in Force Awakens, he mentions, I see it. I see the island. And when she goes into the tree, she says she's been there. I know this. Only in dreams is what she says. So... I think that the natural projection you could make or the natural conclusion you could make from those statements are, well, she's a Force-sensitive person. This is a very powerful Force site that is going to be linked to her destiny. She will travel there. Perhaps it's just the Force showing her her, her destiny beforehand. But could it be that it was also showing her a place from her past? Could be. It very well Perhaps could be. she was there as, as a young child. And she went from there to Jakku? Well, her parents went from there to Jakku. Oh, they must hate her. I, I know, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And the other thing, and we've talked about this before, but we're talking about the characters, so we have to bring it up. When she goes to the Dark Side Cave and looks for the answers about her parents, and it only shows a, an image of herself... I've always taken it to mean that they're showing her, the Force is showing her that she doesn't need her parents to be validated. She doesn't need that guidance to feel like she belongs. She can find that within herself and her own actions. But there could be a more literal meaning to that. That she's her own parent? Right. I mean, we see two shadows walking. And then those two shadows become one shadow, and then the mirror is cleared, and it's her. You know, the the other thing I thought of, and I I thought of it so much, I actually looked up or tried to find the name of the planet uh, or the name of the system that Octu is in. But um, 
you know, it was in Overlords, it was a female who represented the light side and a male who represented the dark side. Oh, and oh. maybe Kylo and Ray are the reincarnation of no. those because no those people way. all died no way. during that. Uh, story arc. So who would the father be? Maybe there doesn't need to be one. Maybe that's the point. Maybe that when, would be crazy. Maybe when Anakin let I, them die. I was going to bring this up afterwards, but this kind of thing should be on record. So. I think it's plausible. I'm not saying it's what's happening. I, it just right. dawned on me. That's why I, you, you asked me what I was doing. I picked up my phone while we were watching and I started to look. And I was checking to see if that planet happened to be Octu. Oh, Mort. No, that was Mortis. Mortis, right. Which existed apparently in another plane of reality. Because they... It's actually in a star system, according to oh, really? Wikipedia. Wow, yeah. okay. Because so, when, they, when they travel there, it's like a real trippy experience. Yeah, it's hidden. It's hidden, but it's in a star system. So I was just wondering that that planet destroyed itself, and then the Force went all shit Oh, and we are, of course, talking about the Mortis arc from the Clone Wars animated series right um where anakin bitch slaps the physical embodiment of the light and dark side because he can and and it's awesome the light side is represented by the sister the dark side is represented by the brother and then there's the father who is the arbiter between them he keeps the peace between them and maybe that'll be anakin's force ghost because the father wanted anakin to take the place anyway that's true the father does attempt to get anakin to stay on mortis and become the new father become the new arbiter between these two but he refuses right and then the force goes shithouse afterwards so maybe the next movie is she's Palpatine trying to set himself up as the father. Hey, let, let's let's okay, not anyway, get into that too much because there is a little tidbit but, that I want to plant for the audience at the end of the, okay, the end of so the episode. Anyway, it, it dawned on me when we were watching, uh, looking at Ray, that if she becomes the embodiment of the light side, because Kylo obviously doesn't want any of the trappings of Jedi or Sith, but he's fine being the monster in the darkness. He's okay with that, and we'll get into that in a bit. Right, but so it, it dawned on me that they're mirroring that arc in that way because Rey is extremely powerful in the Force. Right. And that's okay. She can be. So was Luke. So was Anakin. Exactly. These stories have always So was people. Yoda. Right. So was Chief Palpatine. But not Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan sucked in the Force. <laughs> uh, but I, I just mean, really, most of the time when we're following a, a character... In the a Star Wars saga movie, or even the, uh, with the exception of Solo and Rogue One, so far, even the other parts, you know, Rebels and Clone Wars, you're following people who are very powerful in the Force most of the time. That's what it is. It's true. If it if it wasn't. It, it wouldn't be as close to Star Wars, right? It would be very hard to do, and Rogue One pulled it off, but to have Star Wars without a Force character. And that will be the interesting thing when we finally watch Star Wars Resistance, because as far as I'm aware, there is not a major character in that show that is Force-sensitive. Well, we'll find out. Um, but anyway, I, so I think Rey is very well done. I think, it's, uh, I think the criticisms of her being a Mary Sue are ridiculous. Uh, because she's no more a Mary Sue than Luke is. I agree. I agree. And Anakin. And Anakin. Let's move on to Finn. Uh, what was your impression FN of Finn? FN2187. FN2187. This is where we might start to divert a little, because I think that Finn's depiction in Force Awakens is pretty good. Finn's, I agree. Finn's depiction in Last Jedi gets a little shaky, so I'm interested to hear what, what do you think of how they've done with Finn so far? I like the character of Finn. There are some things in Force Awakens, or not Force Awakens, Last Jedi. There's lots of things in Last Jedi that I have issue with yet. Um, But one of the things I like about Finn is he's not a heroic character. Not at first. Even toward the end, until the very end of Last Jedi. Sure. Finn's not trying to be a hero. He's just trying to look out for... His, his own friends. skin and then his friends. Right. In that order. I want to stay alive. Because really, they leave Canto Bite. They accidentally get away with the code breaker. Well, they get away with a code breaker. Right, with a code breaker. But it's he an even, accident. He even says as much. Did you get the master code breaker? We got a code breaker. Right, but, but they were, Finn and Rose were trying to run away. 
they weren't they were escaping without the code breaker because they had to right yeah. but but what i'm saying but is but you're right they they were trying to escape without completing their mission right and before that he was trying to escape without doing anybody's mission and in force awakens he was trying to get the hell away from the first order Finn is trying really hard not to be involved and accidentally ends up involved in shit that's so much bigger than him. He's just a janitor. <laughs> Granted, it's a janitor with combat training. Who doesn't want to fight. But a janitor nonetheless. But, but that's it. He's Think about all the things he talks about. It's always, he's a sanitation engineer. Who knows where the breakers are on a starship? The guy who mopped the floors. His very first combat mission, he refused to fire his blaster. Right. And that was his very first combat mission. They say it. I'm trying to think now. When Finn, he ignites the lightsaber, and he does fight stormtroopers with the lightsaber. Yep. He does try to fight Kylo. Because they're overrunning... They're overrunning Maz's their position, castle. right? They're overrunning right. the castle. That's he to does, survive. He does stand up to Kylo Ren. Yep. Again, because he really doesn't have any Good other choice. option. In The Last Jedi, does Finn get into... I, I guess the only active combat we really see him in, like combat war scenario, is at the very end when he's flying one of the skimmers. Right. And he tries to sacrifice himself for the greater good, right? right. To allow his friends to live. Which but he's not that, even that's good at the that. moment that he decides. But you're right. His logic is his logic is flawed in that moment. Right. We're going to die and I'm going to try and die doing as much good as possible, but he's not going to accomplish anything anyway. The task him flying into the center of that laser with the skimmer, those skimmers are pieces of shit. It's bending and breaking before it even comes right. close. I, he would not have made any impact in that situation. He would have died for nothing. Right, and so so his one really, really, really hero, and even then, he's only willing to do that because Leia and Rose and Poe are there. He's just trying to save his friends. Right. So he doesn't care at that Oh, I'm sorry. He does fight Phasma, and he wins. But because he's got, well, he has to. He doesn't have a choice. Right. And his friends are in danger. So the only time we see Finn fighting is when he doesn't have a choice because his life is on the line. Or when he's going to sacrifice himself to try and save his friends. That's a very... I, I never really thought about it that way before. It's a very unique idea, I think, in Star Wars because so many of the hero characters we do see are fighting because they believe in it. They're fighting. They're actively trying to fight. See, I think that Finn and Poe together are the two sides of Han Solo that we see in the yeah, original trilogy. We've made that point before, that they, the, the character of Han, the place that he takes in the story of the original trilogy, is really split between these two. Right, because, again, Han is that guy who's never, he's in the place to be the hero, but he's never trying to be the hero. What do you think? I can't move on from Finn without talking about this. The romance angle, right? I I think that Finn was very taken with Ray initially. I agree. And I think that those feelings get a little possibly confused by the end of Last Jedi with uh, Rose's affection for him. I understand Rose falling in love with Finn because he's the hero. Uh, to her. Right. Not to anybody else. Well, no, he's, he's trying to run away when yeah. they run into each other. Um, and he kind of gets swept along with Rose. So I don't necessarily know that they have a romance. You don't think that he returns those... You, you don't think there's a possibility that he returns those affections? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that he might not return those affections. But at this point in time, their relationship is very one-sided and so even if he returns those affections later it may just be that he's not getting affection from anyone else and he was a stormtrooper yeah so uh, not that i want to say you'd be settling for rose but if he, he can't have ray 
right if, if ray doesn't want that kind of how, relationship how do you know that it, and he may be able to the actor could certainly show this on film uh in character the writers could write it into the script in any way they want but if the romance continues to build as it did during the last jedi I know that Rose's feelings for Finn are genuine. I don't know if Finn's feelings for Rose are as deep. I agree. And I don't know if any romance between them would be uh if if you would be if Finn would have genuine feelings. I'm not saying he may not act on the feelings. Right. You know, um but he may be I don't know if taking advantage of Rose would be the right way to go, but he may be just going along for the ride because he doesn't know what else to do. The embrace between Finn and Ro or Finn and Ray when they reunite after she lifts the rocks—that's a pretty big moment for both of them. Yep. I feel, and they and they focus on both of their faces. So I, I think, I hope that we continue to see more of that development. And I'm, I'm not trying to rag on Rose, but she's kind of getting in the way of a good thing here. <laughs> <laughs> well, but she's got kind of a stalker vibe going. You think so? Well, you. I mean, that's what unreciprocated love is, right? It's stalking. Yeah, I love guess. Love without evidence is stalking. I guess. So, um, now Rose brings up some very good points. And I think that, well, we'll talk about Rose's character next. We're talking about Finn now. Right. We're done with Finn, I think. Unless you have any other points about Finn you need to make. Because I, I, I think I've made him. Well, but I think the thing about Finn's character is every action he takes is motivated by his fear. Finn is afraid all the time of everything. He only helps Poe escape because Phasma says, turn over your blaster for inspection and report to my unit. And Poe is his key off the ship. Right. Poe is how he gets off the Poe ship. Poe can fly a fighter. He can't. Right. So he only rescues Poe because he's afraid. He... Only helps get the Millennium Falcon and get off Jakku because he wants to escape the First Order. And they're actively shooting at him. Right. Then he gets, you know what I mean? So all of his actions are motivated by fear in some way. Whether it's fear of exposure because he doesn't want to be, you know, called out for being a traitor. Or fear of dying or fear of losing the few friends he has because he doesn't have many. Sure. It's all fear. Let's talk about a character who doesn't emote a lot of actual fear. Seems to be pretty brave in the face of fear, and that would be Poe Dameron. The other of the... Tri if, if, if this new character bunch has three main characters, the Luke, Han, and Leia, Poe, I think, is the last piece of that puzzle. Though you Though you could argue that Kylo Ren also makes it a, a square no, instead of a triangle. No, he has the Darth Vader. In this scenario, I I don't think so. We'll, we'll get into that, I guess, in yeah. a second. But um, Poe Dameron, uh, he is the character with the most stable upbringing <laughs> yes. of of all three of our main heroes, and he's also the character that gets the least amount of love, I think, overall in both films because we don't see a lot of him in Force Awakens. In fact, I'm sure this I'm sure that I'm not surprising anybody with this information, but it's it seems to be well known that the character of Poe Dameron was supposed to die. The the fact that he was brought back into the film, that was a change that JJ made on the fly. That he was supposed to die on Jakku and Finn was supposed to go it alone from there, but they but JJ liked Oscar Isaac so much that he wrote the character into the movie in a, in a larger way. Well, I'm glad he did cuz I love Poe Dameron. You love Poe Dameron. This is the character between the three that I've actually heard from my own circle of friends the most um dislike for. They don't like Poe. They like Ray, they like Finn. They don't like Poe. See, I like Poe. I like Poe a lot. Because Poe has that Poe is a hero. And I think Leia points it out. He wants to be seen as the hero. Oh, yeah. His parents, which they don't point this out in the films, which is, a, f a, in my opinion, just another example of how these films, unfortunately, rely way too much on outside, on outside material. Right. I wish that they would give us maybe even just a little bit more information. I Put it in the fucking crawl, if nothing else. <laughs> no, I, I don't know about that, but... Oh, by the way, Poe's, Poe's parents. Poe's parents are, they were both 
fighters in the original rebellion. Yeah. So growing up, he's got all of this rebel shit in the house. Both of his parents were rebel fighters. He joins the Republic fleet, but of course when Leia puts together the resistance, he is probably the first to sign up. Because he's like, shit, I get to be a rebel. He wants to be a hero. He wants to be a hero. And Leia even tells him, you know, she says, uh, when she's talking about Admiral Holdo, she says, you know, she wants to do the right thing without necessarily being seen as a hero. That's a cut on Poe in the context. Right. She's telling Poe, you don't always have to be seen as the hero. And you said Poe doesn't have a lot of fear. I think he does. I think he is afraid. I think he covers it up with humor. That's what I meant. He doesn't show a lot of fear. Right. But I like that. He's the wisecracking pilot that Han Solo was. Like I said, he's the other half of that character. And I really like him for it. I think some of the things are really cool and some of them got better when I watched The Last Jedi this time. Like, I didn't realize until we had closed captioning on that he was referring to General Hux as General Hugs the whole <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah, that's true. I, I didn't get that until I got the home release and watched it with the captions either. In the theater, I always just thought he was saying Hux. Like, yeah, I thought he was name. too. But yeah. yeah, Hugs, pasty guy, kind of yeah. lanky. The, the humor. People take a lot of issue with that. They take a lot of issue with the humor. And I'm like, but Han Solo was, he was making up pa- reactors. He was making up, right, right. oh, large, no, we're fine large reactor leak down here. That's not humor. That's not funny in a in an in inconvenient and inappropriate time. We're, running we're down the hallway in the Death Star and then turning around when you run into a room full of troopers. That's not funny. Like, there's always been humor in Star Wars, and there's always been humor from main characters, even when they're in the most serious of situations. So I was never phased by any of that. No. Yeah. We're fine. Everything's fine here. How are you? Exactly. How are you? And his face when he does it, he's like, oh, shit, I just made a mistake. <laughs> but but that, uh, and I know people get a lot of flack for the holding for General Hawks. Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, I'm still here. I get that, but if you don't think that would work, wait till next time a telemarketer calls you, and just try it. Just be like, "Hang on, it will work." Yeah, especially with somebody who has authority. If they expect you to take the situation seriously and you don't, that can be one of your greatest weapons. So, I, I can see that actually having the effect that it did, and I think that scene tells us a lot about Poe Dameron's character. Well, now that Poe has learned the lesson, quote-unquote, right, that leadership is more than looking like the hero, uh, do you think that, and it's probably an unfortunate reality of the fact that Carrie Fisher's footage is being taken from other films and put into the next film, um, but I I would think we'd almost have to see Poe Dameron as one of, if not the key figure in the Resistance moving forward. I... I'm not going to have a problem with that because Leia passed the mantle to him at the end of The Last Jedi anyway. Yeah, she really did. Because he says, come follow me. And everybody turns and looks at Leia and she says, what are you looking at me for? Follow him. Right. So um, that line has new significance now that Carrie Fisher has passed. But I think he was going to take over as the leader of the Resistance anyway. Probably. And so I don't have a problem with that. And frankly, he probably should. Yeah. Because if there's any evidence that would lead us to go to that, what what am I trying to say? The strongest case to be made for him taking over is the fact that Leia put out the call for help from her quote-unquote allies, and they didn't show up. And they didn't answer. So her influence in the galaxy has diminished significantly and if she's not going to be an active combatant which i assume that she is not then perhaps it's time to pass the torch to a new generation and and i think that's what that's what these films are really all about anyway is passing the torch on to the next generation right so and, and i think people miss that like they they watch these films and they think oh han solo and luke and leia are back 
and they want their their old companions they want their old friends han luke and leia to be in such a a key and pivotal point in the series they want them to be the heroes of the story again and that's not what these films are about and that is that cannot be what they're about right um moving on to who i would consider to be a main character making it a square and that would be kylo ren ben solo well i think he is a main character but he's the villain He's the villain, but at the same time, he is the Skywalker in Skywalker Saga. He is, if that you're talking about passing the torch to the... Uh, I, I suppose you're right, that we're aware <coughs> of. But if you're talking about passing the torch to the next generation, he is the embodiment of the next generation. He is the Skywalker in this story. Right now he is, but the Skywalker Saga might not be about the Skywalkers being a hero. Not being a hero. I'm not saying he's a hero. I'm saying because he is such a a key point of this saga, even though he's the villain, you can't look at him as the foil to the other characters. I think he is just as strong of a character and just as important of a character in his own right. Well, the thing... Here's the... (laughs) If you really look at it, right now... Um, he's actually probably the protagonist of the movie because it is the Skywalker saga. Right. That's what I'm saying. And Ray and Finn and Poe are the antagonists. They're the foils. Um, between these two films, what's your impression of Kylo Ren? Does he, uh, does he deserve the attention he's getting? I like Kylo Ren as a character. Um... I'm really curious as to how he venerates Vader. Explain. Well, I was listening to this in the film because I've been thinking about this for a while because his whole the Jedi, the Sith, let it all burn does kind of have an Anakin-esque quality to it. Maybe. And especially by the end of his life. Right. You would think Anakin's like, well, I tried the Jedi thing, I tried the Sith thing. Neither of them worked out particularly well. And he has Vader's mask in the first movie that he has kind of a shrine to. And refers to him as grandfather. And Snoke refers to him as Lord Vader or Vader. Never Darth Vader, though. I don't know if you noticed that. Are you sure he doesn't? Yep, never Darth. It's Lord Vader or Vader. I guess never I, says I, I Darth. wasn't paying attention to that. He doesn't... And that... that Because well, Darth is a Sith title. Darth is a Sith title, and that'll get to a point that I'll make later on. But go ahead. So, I'm wondering exactly how... Because Snoke obviously sees Vader as a lapdog. You know, I wanted you to be the next Vader. Well, guess what? He was. He was the next Vader. He murdered his master just like the last Vader did. Right. Probably, sh- Snoke, you probably should have read the book. You should have got the novelization of the movie and read it once. We, we were When we were watching the films, I said, you're trying to make him into the next Vader. That is the last thing that you should do. <laughs> right. You should not do that thing you're doing. Um, so I'm, I'm curious as to what part of Vader's life, if any, Kylo is actually looking toward. Because I think it would be very interesting if Kylo has had these feelings from the beginning. The the feelings of conflict. Well, not necessarily the feelings of conflict, but... Oh, the, the, the feelings of hero worship of his grandfather? Maybe that's what... He, he couldn't have, remember? Because he didn't, he didn't know that Darth Vader was his grandfather until he was in his early 20s. But what if he had a thing with Anakin Skywalker? Because Anakin Skywalker was a hero. I suppose that's true. In the, and then he learned that Anakin was was Darth Vader from the letter that Leia sent. And maybe that's what led him to start studying the dark side. I'm just curious as to when his obsession with Anakin started. Hmm. Because he has an obsession with Vader, but we don't know if it's just with Vader. That, or, is, that is really interesting. That could... And that could lead to his eventual decisions, because the thing about Kylo Ren that is very fascinating to me 
is he carries a lightsaber and it is red, but he's not a Sith. His master Snoke is not a Sith. And I think that they are decidedly not Sith. Like that was the point that you were making with with he never refers to him as Darth, Darth Vader. And it's not Darth Kylo or Darth Ren. And it's... they never even talk about the Emperor. Not right. even once. They talk about Darth Vader, but they don't talk about Chief Palpatine. And I think the reason why is that Snoke looks at Palpatine as a failure. Because Snoke is dumb. Because <laughs> Snoke, Snoke's a little dumb. But he looks at Palpatine as a failure. He doesn't think Palpatine get, did a good enough job of controlling his apprentice, clearly. And so he's like, well, I'm going to do this better. And uh, also, I'm going to use all of your iconography to get all of your old followers to rally behind me. But I don't actually care about any of it. And for the record, Palpatine managed to be in charge for six fucking movies. Snoke only got two. That's right. So who wins there? That's she, Palpatine, <laughs> all day. Three times the Lord that Snoke is easily. That's right. And he's coming back, baby. Right. So Palpatine's seven back. times. Seven times. Well, it's, Palpatine's not in charge anymore. But you, it's, you don't know that. It's interesting because they almost seem to be going out of their way to not be Sith. They see that as a flawed tradition. Kylo Ren certainly sees it as a flawed tradition, just like he sees the Jedi as a flawed tradition. <coughs> and that But so did Anakin for a long time. So I'm really curious as to when he started venerating his grandfather. Right. That that was what I was gonna get to. I always thought, watching these films, when we were seeing him in Last Jedi cast down and and, and deride both the Jedi and the Sith, saying, let it all burn, we're going to do this, I thought it was an extension of his rebellion and his deep-seated desire to not be his parents, not be his uncle, which I do think is still a very strong desire I, and strong I agree. theme. But I think that if if he had started to admire Anakin Skywalker, then discovered that he became Darth Vader, perhaps he's just trying to live the life that he thought his grandfather would have wanted to have for himself. And what if, right, because Anakin does the whole, there's got to be leaders. There are people who lead and people who follow. Right. I, so it would explain a lot, and it would also explain the red lightsaber. Maybe he has the crystal out of Anakin's, or out of Vader's lightsaber. Because those vents, the hilt, are because the, the crystal's damaged. Well, I would think that he would have gotten the crystal from his own lightsaber. Do we know that? We we don't know the origins. Because he could. How could he? he he's not a Sith, so he doesn't bleed the crystal. But he would have had to have. Somehow. Not if he used a... a already broken crystal? Because it is broken. That's why the blade comes out all weird like that. Because right. the crystal is not a perfect kyber crystal. It is shattered. Right, but what if it's the crystal from a, a Sith's lightsaber? It, it very well could be. What if, what if it's Vader's lightsaber from Endor? Because we know he was on Endor. Kylo Ren oh, went shit. to Endor. You're right. Because he has Vader's he has helmet. He has Vader's husk helmet. Which is obviously the one that was burned in the pyre on Endor. So maybe he fishes the lightsaber out, takes and, it apart, and uses it as his own. And the crystals, he tries to use it, and it's damaged, so he uh, changes the hilt so that it can accommodate and still work. Because he's an even bigger Vader fanboy than I am. <laughs> That's right. By the end of Last Jedi, I do think that Kylo Ben... No, I'm going to call him Kylo because that's what he wants to be called, right? I'm going to call him Ben because that's not what he wants to be called. <laughs> Fuck him. Yeah. Uh, I think that he... I don't think his hero worship of, of Vader is as high anymore. I think that he believes... Is it? He, because here's the thing. He kills Han Solo. Oh, and we need to talk about this, right? This is uh, something... We, we were going to talk about it? Oh, we have to, right? Okay. I mean, we're talking about it now. All right. So he kills Han Solo. Now, Ben and I were discussing this for a long time. We have discussed it in the past on this podcast, and I believe that we have come for maybe the first time ever to a unified, accepted <laughs> theory on how that encounter took place between Kylo Ren and Han Solo on the catwalk. Okay. You tell me if I'm getting off track here. Oh, I will. This, Don't worry. This is what I think we've come up with. Kylo takes out the lightsaber, hands it over to Han, or holds, make, it, out to holds Han. it out to Han after saying, 
I don't. I know what I have to do, but I don't have the strength to do it. And Hans says, "I'll help you." You know, anything. Right. He says, "Help me." Will you help me? Yeah, Hans well, says, "Anything." Yes, anything. Han grips the lightsaber, and then Kylo grips the lightsaber very tightly, and it's clear that he's not going to give it up. In that moment, Han Solo realizes what's coming, realizes that this is the end of his rope, and I don't think he has a huge problem with it. I think he accepts it and knows that this is what he thinks, this is what his son thinks he has to do, and he's willing to help him with it. Right, Han is sacrificing himself for his son. He's redeeming himself as a father. And then Kylo activates the lightsaber and stabs him. Well, first he points it at Han because he activates it. When it activates it, it goes through Han. Correct. So he has to point it at Han first, which Han would be aware of. Right, because he's holding it. Correct. Then the lightsaber is activated. Han dies. Kylo needed the permission of Han to kill Han, was the, the conclusion that we came up with, right? Yeah, we can go with that. Okay, because you were you were very, very keen on the fact that you did not think, well, at first you thought Han had to have killed himself. Right. But then I think we've, we've come around to the idea that Kylo did kill Han, but he needed Han's permission to he do it. He needed Han's help to do it. Right. He couldn't do it by himself. And then... That act does not have the impact on it that he thought that it would. He thought it would unlock this new level of power, new level of control of the dark side, but instead it only makes the conflict grow. Well, and he's ashamed of that, too, because we see in the next movie he's trying to... I killed Han Solo without any hesitation. No, no, you hesitated. I watched. Yeah, we saw that. We saw that. You can't get anything past us. Right. Asshole, we watched it twice because we were fighting about it. So because of that conflict that was created, I think that whatever hero worship or way that he was trying to live like Anakin or like Darth Vader before, I think that if it hasn't disappeared, it's certainly relaxed because he has seen that I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do that everyone has told me that I have to do to unlock this dark power and live this destiny. But it isn't happening. It's not working. So I, I'm done with it. I'm just going to try things my own way. Well, and honestly, I think that's one of the most Anakin things he does. So again, I would be curious as to when his obsession with his grandfather started, because I think that would inform us a lot more. Let's talk about Rose. Okay. Rose, I would say, is a fairly important character in The Last Jedi, not introduced until that film, but... The Force Awakens had Han and Chewie and Leia. You know, like, they they had all of these legacy characters that they had to pay service to and reintroduce. And you, I I understand the logic in we only have the three or four new characters to really focus on. So now, those characters are part of the story, and they introduce two new ones in The Last Jedi. We have Rose, who we know is going to continue in the films. And we have DJ, who's future in the series is up in the up in the air at the moment rose has been a very controversial character in my opinion for all the wrong reasons not not in the sense that i think she's controversial i was going to say there are valid criticisms of rose but i don't think we're necessarily making them i agree so let's hear it what are those valid criticisms that you refer to i think that some of her lines are i don't like the acting i agree I don't know if that's uh, because of the direct direction that the actress was given or if it was the writing or what happened, but some of Rose's lines feel forced or hollow to me or overly cliche. Even when she's making good points, it feels forced, not organic. Like the, we don't win by fighting what we hate, we win by protecting what we love. That's actually a good point. It, it's a okay point it's arguably arguable whether it's true or not but it's delivered in such a way that it just seems like she's reading it off an embroidered pillow in somebody's living room (laughs) sure you know and then like i said the the love between finn and rose seems to come off kind of weird and she has kind of a stalker vibe well that that's more of her being an introvert she might be the first 
primary character. I don't think we could say main character. Fine, side character, sub-character, whatever. The first other character hero that we see in Star Wars, that, that's like a, a true introverted personality. Well, and she she could. works behind pipes all day. She doesn't she doesn't do the fighting and the shooting and the talking and the heroism. She's a technician. She works behind the scenes, just like Finn does. Well, Finn doesn't. No, Finn's a janitor. Remember, that's what he did. Well, but he was also combat trained, and he he has plenty of personality. He has no problem. Right, but she's in the resistance, anybody. so she's a she's a fighter too. Okay. Well, because that's one of the big things that I point out when we talk about the Empire versus the Rebels. Every Rebel is a warrior. The Empire has janitors. Okay. Now, part of that is because she kind of fangirls over Finn because he's a hero of whatever. The hero who took down Starkiller Base. Which he is. Yeah. In theory. He is. And so that's part of it. And then that turns into romantic feelings maybe because she's an introvert or whatever. But like I said, it's got kind of a stalker vibe to it. And I don't know if that's the way it was written and the actress is following her directions perfect or whether it's just the way the lines were delivered. Okay. And if that's what they were going for, hey, good job. Yeah. If that's not what you were going for, then not so good. I know the character is returning in Rise of the Skywalker and we are getting another new character um, that is supposed to be working with the heroes. So she... We'll see how much screen time she gets. At this moment in time, I can say, I don't hate Rose, but I don't love her. I, 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 I could take her or leave her at this point. Um, but it should go without saying, and I think we said this several times, um, and I'm going to say it again just for the record. No matter how much you love or hate or don't give a shit about Rose as a character, don't be a douche to the actress who played her. And that goes for all of the actors playing all of these roles. Yes. Yeah, it goes for everybody. That's just... Her, that particular actress, I think, got a lot of guff, and we heard about it a lot. Leave the actress alone. Absolutely. If you want to criticize the character, the role in the movie, the directing, the acting, whatever, those are valid. We're all welcome to do that. But personal attacks serve no purpose. Knock it the fuck off. That's right. And unfortunately, the people who need to hear that probably won't. No, probably not. So tell everybody you talk to, <laughs> you see somebody wearing a Star Wars shirt, you point out that ad homs are a fallacy, and if you do that, you're a douchebag. And uh, finally... Also calling people a douchebag is an ad hom, so, you know. Sure. Finally, DJ. I like DJ a lot, actually. I'm, I'm sad that it appears that Benicio Del Toro is not appearing in the next film. And granted, his character arc was pretty short, pretty complete i don't know if we need to see him again but i think that his role as a true middle of the road player you know boba fett is a is technically a bounty hunter which means that the if the rebels had had enough money they might have been able to hire him right to fight for them but i don't i mean that's kind of up in the air as to whether or not he would have actually done it you know it seems like he likes working for the empire he likes putting the boot in the asses of the rebels in that way. But DJ is a true middle-of-the-road guy. DJ is the person Han Solo wanted the world to think he was. Absolutely. I agree. So I kind of liked that character because we don't have any of those in Star Wars previously. He's got a definite gray morality. He doesn't see the world as black and white. Canto bite for all the shitty parts of that scene that served no fucking purpose. Uh, or series of scenes. Rose and uh, tells Finn the only way you get this rich is by selling weapons to the First Order. DJ's the person who points out that people on both sides of a war buy weapons, and the people at Canto Bite were selling to both. That's right. You know, DJ's the person who actually brings a grounded sense of reality to what's going on around us. Live free, don't join. Right. Well, because Star Wars is a morality tale and it is told from the perspective of the people that we're supposed to see as the good guys right and that's one of the things when we talk about the prequels that we argue about or not necessarily argue about but that we've discussed we watch the prequels from the perspective of obi-wan and the jedi and we're supposed to see them as heroes but they're kind of shitty people right which we have 
certainly made a lot of conversation about. Right. But DJ is the in-universe character that lampshades that, that points that out. And we haven't had one of those that I can remember. Not as high of profile, for sure. So I like that. I was a fan of that. And I loved Benicio Del Toro's performance. I thought he was just creepy enough. Yeah. But at the same time, he was human. I mean, when he turns them in, when he sells them out to the First Order, and they give him his payday, and he gets to leave unscathed, I don't blame him for it. I really don't. No. We were caught. I made a deal. Right. And when he he gives the medal to Rose, or or the, the, you know, that her precious the medallion item, the medallion there we go when he gives the medallion to rose when he gives it back to her that's a real moment of of good that's a, a right. good human moment from him he got plenty of money off of the ship that they stole he's going to get a payday in theory when right. the plan because the plan had been going well up to that point they were right at the door and he was opening it if everything had gone according to plan and he would not have been captured I think he would have taken his payday from the resistance and just left. Yep. But he was captured, and he had to get out of there, and he had the intelligence they wanted, so he sold it. Right. He gives a shit about himself. And that's fine. Yep. I think it's sad we're probably not going to see that character again or another character like it. At least not. But let me rephrase that. I don't think DJ is coming back in the next movie. If he does, I think they'll probably make him a hero of some kind or a villain and ruin what makes his character awesome. I think our best hope is that they put him in something not saga-related. I think he is the the best gift that Ryan Johnson left for Star Wars. I'll go with that. Okay, cool. Those are all of the major characters that appear in the new films. So let me ask you one more question. And it might not be a short one, but I hope it is. <laughs> Compared to the characters that we have already known in Star Wars, the Obi-Wan Kenobis, the Luke Skywalkers, all of these characters that were central figures of the six films that preceded this, how would you rank the new heroes among them? Have they earned your affection? That's really hard to say, actually, Zach. I think they're decent characters, but I'm a bad person to ask that because I have a very hard time separating the plethora of information that is Legends from what we know about the characters that is canon. Sure. I often, and it's happened here, it's happened in our personal conversations where I'll say something and you'll be like, oh, that's Legends now. Or I'll be like, it's Legends, but... Oh, sure. So the other characters are just so much more developed. We know so much more about them. So, I mean, Anakin is still my favorite because he's Anakin. Kylo has the potential to be up there. Okay. Uh, and so does Ray. I still like Han, but Poe da- Dameron has the potential to be the hot shot that I love. You know what I mean? Sure. So I think they have the potential, but I think we have to see what they do with the next film before we can determine if they fall in that scope. Okay. Snoke is not in the list of bad guys at all. Yeah, I agree. Kylo is on the list of villains, but I don't know where he falls. Somewhere above Boba Fett. <laughs> and Captain Phasma. And Captain Phasma. We didn't even talk about her at all. She no. doesn't she doesn't deserve it. But does he does he fall above Dooku? Is he on yeah, par I, with he does for me. <laughs> well, for me, I think Dooku's a hero, remember? I know. Um, uh, but you know, is he's above Maul? Probably. Mm, okay. But we'll see more of Maul. Maybe. Maybe. I think we will. I think we get a little bit more of him in Clone Wars Season 7. But that's neither here nor there. Well, I but think anyway, so I, I think it'll be hard to place him. Um, you know, Ray could be better than Luke. Especially considering what I don't like about Luke now. Right. You know, I, I mean, that's the thing you have to consider, too. If you ask me to place, do I like her better than Return of the Jedi, Luke? No. Do I like her better than Luke in its, his entirety? Maybe. Probably not, but maybe. You and know? we still have one more major movement of their stories. Exactly. And we will get into that a little bit more next time. That's going to do it for this week. Ben, I've got a challenge for you. Uh-oh. In two weeks. So, we... I hate to do this. No, you don't. I do. What are you going to do? It's our most listened to episode. 
The Power of the Force from all the way back almost two years ago. Okay. It is our most popular episode by far. It was our debut on the Galactic Network. We talked about the Chosen One prophecy, what balance in the Force truly means, and if Anakin was actually the Chosen One, and also how the Force worked, how it interacted. I think we've had a lot of information, including The Last Jedi, that would be able to better inform us of that conversation. So I think we need to have that conversation again, especially with the recent reveal of the updated canon Chosen One prophecy. Okay. So that's next. That's in two weeks. That's in two weeks. But All for right. now, we're saying goodbye. <laughs> Share this with your Star Wars loving friends. If you got something out of it, if you thought it was funny, if you thought it was hilariously bad, share it. I don't care. Just share it for some reason. I want people to hear it, and I want you to share it with your friends, so please do so. Email us at newjediarchives at gmail.com. Message us on our Facebook page. You can search The New Jedi Archives. you got to make sure you put the the in there, because then that'll give you that'll get you to our page, uh, and we will be more than happy to respond to your feedback. Until next time, Ben, may the Force be with you. And also with you, Zach. This has been a Galactic Netcast production. For more, go to GNCast.com.